African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us for a new week of our program, African Dialogue, where we zoom into the big subjects of what's happening on the continent of Africa. Remember, my name is Benjamin Mushatama, and you're listening to us on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And on DSTV, we're on channel now on 802. That's 802. That's where we are right now. We've moved from channel 902 to 802. So that's where you can also join us. Remember, we're also online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're launching Youth Month in South Africa. Going to look at the backdrop of what Youth Month is all about in South Africa. Looking at some of the challenges and also some of the positives that have come up with the new dispensation in South Africa for young people. But before we get into that topic, we have Anne Musa standing by to give us our news. In the headlines, Nigeria's army retaliates after Boko Haram kills 32 soldiers. Kenyan protesters burn tires to demand the electoral body quit and unknown gunmen have killed a Somali journalist in Mogadishu. 
very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musam. Nigeria's army has retaken parts of Boso after 30 soldiers from Nigeria and two from Nigeria were killed in a Boko Haram attack on Friday. It was the deadliest attack carried out in Nigeria by the Islamist group since April last year, when at least 74 people, including 28 civilians, were killed at the Lake Chad island of Karamga. The town of Boso is part of the Defar region, where many refugees and internally displaced people have sought shelter from Boko Haram violence elsewhere. In a statement released, Boko Haram claimed killing 35 soldiers and wounding nearly 70 from the Nigerian and Nigerian armies. Protesters in Kenya's western city of Kisumu blocked roads with burning tires and stones, demanding that the country's electoral body be scrapped ahead of next year's elections. The opposition have held almost weekly protests since late April against Kenya's Independent Electoral Commission, accusing it of bias. A meeting last week between President Uhuru Kenyatta and opposition leader Rayla Odinga failed to defuse tensions in a nation prone to political strife. A female journalist has been shot dead in the Somali capital Mogadishu. Sagal Salad Osman, a presenter and producer for the state radio station, was gunned down by unidentified men outside a university in Mogadishu's northwestern neighborhood of Hodan. According to the Committee to Protect Journalists, 45 Somali journalists have been murdered since 2007, a tally that does not include the latest fatality. Reporters Without Borders placed the country 172nd out of the 180 countries for freedom of the press last year. The South African Communist Party says it will meet with the ruling ANC's top leadership to discuss its grievances with the party. Recently, the SACP has clashed at the ANC over a decision to drop an internal investigation over claims of state capture by the Guptas. The SACP has dismissed the process as a whitewash and called on the ruling party to widen the probe. SACP spokesperson Jeremy Cronin says the list selection process for the upcoming local election is also a concern. There's considerable turmoil within the ANC itself. And of course, remember that most of us are also um, ANC members. And it's something that concerns us very much as SACP, that um, there is this high level of factionism, many, many, many uh, problems in the list selection process, which uh, President Zuma himself referred to on Saturday at the rally. There's been violence inside of uh, the ANC and so on. Not everywhere, and I think in many places the process has gone well. But uh, in many, many other places, I think that there there are uh, serious problems, and it's the ANC has been the first to admit it. Recapping the top stories, Nigeria's army retaliates after Boko Haram kills 32 soldiers. Kenyan protesters burn tires to demand the electoral body quit and unknown gunmen have killed a Somali journalist in Mogadishu. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, 
Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Just another reminder, remember now on DSTV, on the audiobook, hey, we're no longer on Channel 902. We are now on Channel 802. So that's where you can listen to us via our DSTV service. That's the audiobook service there. Remember, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And today we're looking at Youth Month and the festivities around this month. And we know that June is celebrated as Youth Month in South Africa with a specific focus on June 16, which is also known as Youth Day. Uh, Youth Month pays tribute to the school pupils who lost their lives during the 16 June 1976 uprising in Soweto. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the Soweto uprising. The theme for the Youth Month is Youth Moving Forward in South Africa and on June 16, 1976 more than 15,000 students gathered at the Orlando West Second school with the intention of participating in a peaceful march to the nearby Orlando Stadium. The demonstration had been planned in protest against the use of Afrikaans as the medium of instructions at schools. Now to help us unpack what is going to actually be actually un been happening this month looking at youth culture in South Africa as challenges for the youth. We've got Mam Benzedi who is the project specialist at the Nelson Mandela uh, Children's Fund as well as Omar Bacha who is the, the chief executive officer of SA History. Omar, let me highlight, let's start this conversation with you just to highlight really what Youth Month is all about in South Africa. I've highlighted briefly uh, really uh, the synopsis of what Youth Month is and what we're celebrating. But what what does it stand for right now, post-apartheid, this idea of Youth Month? Well, you know, we 40 years since the youth began the protest against uh, the imposition of Afrikaans in the schools. And, um, well, the, what happened uh, over that period, uh, from June 76 to, to 1990, you know, it was the most significant period in our history. June 76 then is like 73, a turning point in South African history. And um, yeah, and so we mark this day uh, as, as an important space, time to reflect on where we are as a nation, mm. and what we are doing for the youth, or what is the role of the youth in, this, in our society. Uh, and 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 see what lessons we can learn. Um, hmm. At present, at present, you know, we are faced with one of the most, again, uh, uh, difficult period in our history: the challenges of unemployment, inequality, hmm. and poverty. It's, it's just horrendous, you know, uh, and and you know, given the fact that more than Thirty-six percent of our population is out of work, and of that thirty-six, forty-plus percent are young people who yeah. are out of work. Mm. Um, and that you know, you know, twenty-one percent of our people live under the poverty line, and that in itself is an indication of the crisis facing this society and 
the youth mm. in particular. Mm. Well, let me move on to you, Mampensedi, who is the project specialist at the Nelson Mandela's uh, Fund. Mampe, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you. Yes. What are your thoughts around, you know, how we look at youth day, youth month, especially in contemporary South Africa, especially today with that backdrop that Omar just introduced, speaking about the challenges that we've seen in terms of unemployment and the fact that there's a huge poverty problem that we're facing in South Africa as well. Seems like uh, it's a huge challenge for young people, especially focusing on the issue of unemployment. It is true. Uh, it is a real, real challenge. And uh, I think what is encouraging is knowing that young people are not just sitting and waiting. Like you, youth of yesteryear, which actually was active in dealing with the issues that they were faced with. 76 was education. And in the 80s, we had another uh, issue related to issues of education. But now we're finding young people trying very hard. I mean, if you go into the townships, you'll find a lot of young, led, small enterprises that are led by young people. You're finding young people coming together, uh, developing different things. I mean, if you look into the music sector right now, there's so much that you're finding which is independent. That is started by young people. You go into fashion, you find that kind of thing. Yes, there are huge challenges. I mean, the policy, we have a very good government policy in terms of youth, but in terms of that being realized by young people, especially mm. in rural villages, in, 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 in the townships, that has not been felt. People go through the so-called learnerships. They go there. They don't finish those things because those things are not actually an end towards a, a sustainable economic opportunity. And those are some of the challenges that young people are, are, are faced with. But that does not actually stop them from actually being active. If we look into the positive side of the Fees Must Fall campaign, that was actually young people saying, we are here, we're wanting the education, but we cannot afford it. It's just too much. You as adults, government, private sector, do something. Let's have a society that cares, that invests is in its own in, in uh, and youth. And look at what that brought. UJ just mm-hmm. got $60 million in a period of three months. If young people didn't stand up, if young people didn't actually say, listen to us, that uh, uh, youth, which is the missing middle, would have not been cared for. It will still mm-hmm. be struggling. But they had to voice out. And that's actually what we're seeing young people doing. Does that mean that we have done enough? No. We are so far away from doing enough. Mm. Well, hey, if you're joining us on uh, uh, listening to us on our various platforms, uh, we want to hear from you. So give us your thoughts. Remember, you can uh, email us at info at channelafrica.co.za or you can interact with us on the Twitter handle at African Dialogue, at African Dialogue. And we're asking the question, what are the challenges for young people today in contemporary South Africa? And also, how have they moved forward? As you heard there from uh, Mampin Sedi, who is uh, the project specialist at the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund saying that, uh, uh, you know, 
movements that we've seen recently have seen kind of a, a confident and affirmed, affirmed young people in South Africa, especially with the Fees Must Fall campaign. We saw them asking for certain rights that they believe belong to them. So we're seeing an assertive youth. But there's still some challenges, as was highlighted by Omar Bacha there, especially when it comes to unemployment. That seems to be the area that we need to move forward on as a country. But give us your thoughts. We want to hear from you. We'll continue with our guests after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. My name is Sipa Hot Sticks Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi. My name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I love Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, we are on Channel 802 on DSTV. That's the audio brigade. That's the recent change that's been made. So we'll make that announcement constantly so more people can understand that we've shifted from 802, uh, from 902 rather, to 802. So that's where you can find us on DSTV. And remember, you can also find us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's our shortwave service online we are on www.channelafrica.co.za well today we're looking at the issue of uh, youth month it was launched just at the beginning of june and we had a whole lot of stories to do last week that really occupied us and we thought hey this week let's come back to this issue of youth month and we'll be doing a series and constantly in the month looking at the issues and the challenges that have to do with youth but today we're just looking at the backdrop and some of the challenges that young people are facing in South Africa. Coming to you, Omar, and Mampe highlighted something very interesting when we started this conversation, which was the issue of the fees must fall, and we saw roads must fall before that, but there seems to be, especially in terms of university life in South Africa, that there seems to be a very kind of uh, activist motion to the character of young people there. Can we connect this kind of idea and the consciousness that we're seeing from young people to the 1976 motion of things does is there a relationship between what we're seeing now to what happened in 1976 well yes there is there's a a strong link firstly you know we have built up over the years an heritage of uh, active involvement of uh, grassroots mobilization against the apartheid regime in which the workers and the youth played the key roles. Um, and, 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 you know, throughout that period, throughout the last 40 years, we've seen, you know, continuous energy, new ideas, new, a new generation of people coming up. What is quite significant at the moment is that 
that has taken many forms. One, at the level of the factory floor. Uh, second, uh, at the level of the, of the universities and education system. Uh, and third, in the arts. Fourthly, we, we see enormous anger, uh, which manifests itself in very violent protest against the system. But coming back to the workers, you know, in the, 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 you know, the, in the trade union, the young mm. workers have, have turned around and began questioning the older generation of leadership mm. uh, and, and, and creating new structures to try and find a solution to the problems of unemployment and, uh, uh, you know, and, and terribly low wages. Uh, in a society where, you know, 80% of the wealth is held by 20% of the population, you know. Mm, mm. And so at that level, and then at the university and high school level, you, you've seen a very, very positive plus a negative sort of manifestation of anger and protest. You, you see a positive thing where you have students mobilizing to to get change in the classroom mm-hmm. from the student and high school movement that is, you know, doing an enormous amount of work in uh, taking the Department of Education to court or high, raising issues of, of the quality of education and facilities. At the same time, the same thing is happening mm-hmm. at the university level. Mm-hmm. Mampe, your thoughts on what uh, is highlighted there by Omar? I hear you being kind of affirmative in some of the uh, why, why he was uh, talking there. Your thoughts? Look, I think when we look into where we are as a country, especially around issues of unemployment, you realize that there's a lot of young people with some skills. The fact that they have not found jobs should be concerning for all of us as a country. But what is actually more worrying for me is a whole huge number of young people who don't complete metric, who come in and who actually are joining the unemployed sector. And there's not much that actually has been done. Because if you look into entrance in things like learnerships, uh, you will realize that you need to at least have a metric. And we have a huge number of young people who drop out at grade 10, and some of them actually been earlier. And then you have those who actually don't even finish their, their metric. But then you have another challenge of those who actually get to university, don't con- co- complete their, their studies because of either funds or other challenges. I mean, if you look into poverty at the tertiary level, which leads young people into behaviors that are unacceptable because they're really trying to survive in those institutions. It says, as a country, one, we need to look into our model in terms of providing education to our children, but also to look into what is the education doing? Are are we giving our children the kind of education that will allow them to actually enter the economic sector, and be active citizens. Mm. I mean, in the past years, we actually have funded programs where we're funding so-called unemployed graduates. How do you become a graduate and at the same time you are unemployed? We've just seen a case of a young woman who was tired of that, who who, who went into a, a, a robot and actually was 
putting a placard yes, asking yes. for employment yes, I in South Africa. Mm. You, you know, those are some of the desperate things that people, ha- children are having. But the question is, if after she had stood there, she got employment, where was this very person who gave the employment before she had to go there? Did she not apply to in, the, in that institution? Why was she rejected in the first place? So our education system and our, our works into economic system are not necessarily talking to each other. And hence, we are not making or creating a, a employment. But more importantly, our children are, not, are looking for employment. They are not seeing themselves as creating employment for themselves. You know, mm. And it's something that, as, as a country, we need to look into. There's a lot of these entrepreneurship programs that are being run at school level, but are they yielding the kind of results that we want to? And I'm also interested in another dynamic that I want to introduce a little bit is on the political spectrum. And maybe I must come to you, Omar, for this particular aspect of things. It seems like for a very long time in South Africa, when it came to our politics, there was a very much an older kind of group that we saw, the Mandelas, the Tabumbekis, the Zumas, and so on, so on, those who were part of the struggle movements. But as the movement in terms of us moving forward in our 20 years of our democracy in South Africa, we're starting seeing the emergence of young politicians and seeing like the likes of uh, Julius Malema, the EFF itself, and also the likes of Musi Maimani. And, uh, you know, we saw uh, those kind of dynamics coming into a more youthful voice coming into our parliament uh, system. What are your thoughts around those youth figures? And not necessarily in terms of what you think about uh, them as individuals, but that youth dynamic in the parliament, it seems to have captured the imagination of South Africa's politics. Well, you know, we've been in this crisis for a long time. It's just gone worse. And in, in any society, when things get to this stage, then people begin to organize, begin to mobilize. And what is very interesting, very positive, whether you agree with the political positions or not, is the fact that one of the third largest movement in political party in this country is the EFF, and it's mainly made up of young people. Now, they've gone into the political arena, uh, and they are now exercising their, you know, their rights, and they're articulating the demands of the young people. Uh, and that's a, that should be and must be seen as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. We might not agree with all the policies and the way that they behave themselves, but that's not the issue. It is the fact that they that this crisis has now, you know, uh, thrown up all these very interesting new developments. Mm. Yes, there is a generational gap, and that is that you cannot deny, and 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 people. Uh, and, and young people are demanding that the older people make way uh, because they they have not come up with the solution that the society that that's the argument that we have not come up with the solution that this, the society requires um, and also they, they 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 are questioning the morality of some of the leadership of this mm, country. Mm. And, and you know, and, and the policies, political policies, and the economic, the way that they've handled the economy. So, it's a question now of how do we, as a country, uh, bring together all these positive 
developments and, and, and move together as opposed to moving against each other. Mm. And, you, and, so. and, and that, 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 that is the, the big challenge. Mm. Um, and, and as my colleague says, you know, there's lots of positive things, but what we are doing, what we are seeing is that we are not, we are not investing in the future in the way that we get the best Mm. out of what mm. we are putting mon- our money into. Mm. That's very interesting. Uh, Lampi, let me take that back to you, hearing that political voice, because sometimes we see, we were speaking about uh, unrest and in terms of protesting some weeks ago in our program, and we had a huge delegation speaking about that in our studios. And what was interesting was the youth element of it. We're starting to see that also in protesting we're seeing that youth element coming in a lot most of the times and sometimes there is that violent element that's associated to them i mean we've seen um, especially in one one of the universities in south africa where a, a library was burnt down and there was a huge kind of unrest there uh, your thoughts around the nature of our protests and also how young people sometimes are sometimes in the forefront of those uh, uh, protests Young people in South Africa, really, if we look into our history, as uh, as, as it's been said already, have been on, in the forefront. I mean, we, mm. we're celebrating 40 years of June 16th. That was young people. And if you look even into the formation of the ANC Youth League, uh, Youth League in, the, in the 40s, people like Mandela, they were young people at the mm. time. Mm. So young people have always had a voice. And it, it actually differs with every decade. What we are seeing now is young people who are quite angry and frustrated, and the frustration is understandable. If you coming in and you listening to the news, you you seeing that money has been or resources rather have been used or misused in a certain way, and they could have benefited you. That might actually bring in anger to you as a person who thinks that you actually have some right to actually benefit and somebody's supposed to invest in you. But when you look into what has happened, and unfortunately, even in the 76, even in the 80s, even in the 90s, even now, there will, when I was growing up in, in the township, there was something that we called Comrade mm. Zodzi. <laughs> so you always had had that criminal element mm. in all the, of the protests. You have people who are actually protesting, who are actually fighting for the right thing. But you always have those two, three people who are actually there for a very wrong agenda. I don't know how many of you have seen a, a, a movie called Mapanzula. Mm. There's a character there. That particular character was actually never a comrade. Mm. He was a thug, but he was found in the midst of comrades, and he became a comrade. Mm. So I think it's those kinds of things. And young people themselves, when they plan these uh, campaigns, they need to be mindful of those kinds so that they don't hijack their, their protests. Because if you look into how FISMA's fall started, it was very peaceful up until those elements came in and they were actually starting to be destructive. And it nearly lost the focus because everybody was sympathizing with the young people. And all of a sudden, when violence started coming in, people were starting to question whether that was still a legitimate mm, mm. Uh, cause or not. Mm. And I think young people themselves need to remember that, that as they engage with these things, they have to ensure that they don't lose the focus of what they are fighting for and they don't allow the, the, the bad elements, the criminality, 
that comes in. I mean, what we've seen at, 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 at VES very recently, where two people came into the library, were trying to touch the library. Those are the things that need to be discouraged mm-hmm. because the resources that are being used to, to the, the, that are being destroyed rather by, by the protesters actually are the resources that we need in the communities. Mm-hmm. So when they are destroyed, it means the money that's supposed to do something else has to come back and do the very same thing. You know, so I think we need to start re-educating young people about what it means. And people like to say, no, even in 76, people were burning. If you look into the burnings in 76, people were burning bottle stores. And the reason why they were burning bottle stores is because they felt that their parents were going to the bottle stores and spending money in the bottle store, not using it productively. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand what happened in the past in terms of when people were destroying things, but also not condone it at all. We need to at all times condemn it, but encourage strong views, political stance in terms of speaking out and actually fighting for the rights that are enshrined in the Mm. Constitution Mm. in the case of South Africa. Mm. Well, we're going to take another break. Uh, We're joined on the line by Mampin Tzedi, who is a project specialist at the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund, as well as Omar Bacha, who is the chief executive officer at uh, South Africa History. That's SA History. Uh, What are your thoughts? What are the main challenges that we are facing as young people, not just in South Africa? Maybe you're listening from outside South Africa. You say, I'm a young person. I might not be from South Africa, but these are the challenges that I face in uh, the continent. Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can also SMS us your thoughts on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Well, another good thing that's actually happened in South Africa is that when you look at black graduate numbers, they're also up. So we're looking at that dynamic as well when we come back after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, we are looking at Youth Day in South Africa, Youth Month rather, uh, because this is the month of June. Youth Day will be on June 16. We know June 16 is that big day that we saw a big protest from students, not just in Soweto, but in different parts of South Africa that stood against, uh, you know, really participating in a peaceful march, asking for the removal of the use of Afrikaans as the medium of instruction at schools. If you're just joining us now, we've got Mampin Zedi, who is from the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. She's a project specialist there. And Omar Batsha joins us from SA History. He's the chief executive officer. You know, um, Omar, we're speaking from a backdrop which is interesting here because the children of 1976 were fighting for the removal of the use of Afrikaans as the medium of instruction at schools, which was a very vital call at that time, especially for the idea of uh, education becoming 
a tool for investment, especially in black people's lives. And we're seeing the threat of education being one that is a big investment for uh, black young people, especially in contemporary society. I was looking at uh, just some of the figures that just came out, looking at how black youths have also attained higher levels of education today than any other time in South Africa's history. We know that now there are more black matriculants, there are more black high-level passes in mathematics and science, and many more black university graduates, both as a proportion of the black black population but what's what's interesting is that dynamic is actually interesting because it comes with the other dynamics that were highlighted by Mampe which are saying that you know there's still a lot of uh, kids who don't make it past matric but what are your thoughts especially to this positive that we're starting to see well firstly you know we must go back to us looking at what is it that young anyone in society and in particular the young people want and 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 we say to them that if they had education then they would be able to find work then they would be able to fulfill and be creative in our society it would be full citizens and 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 so we you know when they leave or when they get to university they expect that once they leave there would be work there would be in you know uh, opportunities mm-hmm. in the in the apartheid era uh, we knew that the opportunities were limited totally limited you know i speak also as a former trade union leader and and you would know you know there was there was no very very little uh, opportunities so you know that was part of the anger that was growing because from you we must remember that from the 60s onward there was now a larger number of people going to universities. You know, the new universities were created, the Bush colleges were created around the country, and this new generation of young people began to question the nature of the education and the opportunities. Uh, and, and they identified the state, and apartheid, as the, the, the factor that held them back. So there was this anger, yeah, but there was also this creative energy to try and change the society. We now have normally a freedom in, in, in South Africa. We've got a we've we've won our freedom, political freedom, but we have not been able to find a way out of our the, the heritage of the apartheid mm-hmm. economic policies. Uh, we've we've taken them on board without making any major changes. And that is what people are now now questioning. Why did we not make radical change? And what is the way forward? And, and you know, so there are a number of different ways people are articulating the way forward. Some are saying, no, only through radical political action that we will get change. There is this element among the students and in, in society in general where they say, we must burn the whole place down and rebuild. You know, and that's a clearly articulated position by some very small but mm. but influential group of young people. Mm. Then there are those that said, no, we must work to, 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 to make changes and also to build new new leadership, new organizations, new vision of where we want to go to. So we are caught in that moment 
where where we know that we are sitting on a time bomb and they don't seem to be a way forward other than just continuous protest and deepening unemployment and, and poverty. Your thoughts there, Mampi? I think for me what is important is that we, as, as a society, we, we, we really need to start moving towards finding solutions that are within our means and solutions that are informed by our own problems. I mean, our, I don't know, for some students, our, our, our administrations, all of them, they seem to think that if they go out of the continent and looking, finding solutions, they, those solutions will work. If we look into education, our education system, it has been changed so many times that on its mm. own is actually not helping. We need to look into what are our needs as a country? How are we supposed to grow? What is it that we need to do? And some of those solutions we have in our, we have them. We need to look out in the countries that have similar characteristics like ours and see what best can we do. But also South Africans, I mean, we have a lot of creative things happening in, our, in, in, in the country. We need to start looking into how do we grow the little things that we have? How do we use the little opportunities that we have, the resources that we have? How do we change those resources? One, to develop skills. Two, to create economic opportunities for everybody. You, you go into the villages, you'll find people mm. trying out little things. But those things, they don't go anyway. They can't even use their land to feed on it because no markets are opened. Mm. So we need to open up. I mean, look at what the crafts have done. The crafts in South Africa, they started, we started with the eight pins. But today we had had an opportunity for a while where we're actually producing a lot of crafts going outside. What is stopping us from finding those little other possible activities in, in other communities and growing those. We don't do much of that. We do much of the talking about things. We don't really mm. do. We, we, we are a talking nation. We need to stop talking mm. and start doing and see what comes out of the doing. Mm. Omar, a way forward. I mean, what do we actually do just to get off from where Mampe left off? What do we do f- to take things forward, especially for young people? I'm thinking young people also in the rural areas, young people in the townships, those that are not as empowered uh, like others. How do we actually lift them up from that space of kind of hopelessness? Well, it's not just young people. You mm. know, it's, it's the, you know, you know, you have a society where 27% of the population live below the poverty date and line. Um, and young people are a large part of that. But, you know, we, we must accept that the economic system that we've inherited has huge, huge flaws in it. You know, you can create as many jobs, say, in agriculture, but all of the products that you, you, you want to sell, you, you want to make uh, available, are controlled, or the people who would buy it, is controlled by a very small group of uh, mon- uh, monopolies in this country. There's five or six major distributors, the supermarket chains in this country, that control everything. Mm-hmm. 
Now, we have to think about a way of getting that monopoly to begin to ex- to invest more in the country, not take out money from the country, but invest in this country and invest in a way that creates new jobs mm-hmm. and new opportunities for young entrepreneurs. But the state, the government is not really addressing that issue. They, we, we are caught by and we are, we are held hostage by this very powerful capitalist society and, and, and group in this country. Um, and so we must first and foremost address the issue of monopoly capital in this country um, and get them to come in as an a partner that is prepared to invest in development as opposed to just invest for a few. Mm. Your final that se- is the bottom line. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and, and we are not doing enough of that. We are not putting mm. enough energy in finding a way to, to, to mobilize that capital to, mm. to, to work for us. Mm. Mampe, your final sentiments there after those words from Omar Bacha? Yeah, I, I think while I said uh, we talk too much, I think dialogue is still important. Mm. And an intergenerational dialogue is very, very important between uh, young people in this country and the, and, and, the, and, the, and the leadership of the country. And as part of that, organizations like ourselves, we continuously uh, opening up uh, platforms where young people can engage, where they can actually talk about what their issues are, but after talking, we're actually saying each community, each, each person has a responsibility of going out and doing and make, being a change agent in their own community. So, so on the 15th of June, we'll be having that kind of a conversation where we actually say, let's all have a role to play. The South Africa we've, we have today, we need to live it as it is or even better but we have to do something and contribute to that. Mm. Well, thank you to our guests. Uh, thank you to you, Mampinzedi, who is uh, the Nelson Mandela Children's Funds uh, Project Specialist. Thank you as well to Omar Bacha, who's not just uh, the Chief Executive Officer of SA History, but is also a very renowned documentary photographer in South Africa, political and trade union activist, and an historian. So we do uh, appreciate speaking to you, Omar. It's an honor to speak to you. Thank you for you giving us your time. Thank you both, actually, for giving us your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, bye. That's how we wrap up this conversation. Give us your thoughts. We want to hear from you. Hey, what are the challenges that you face as young as a young person in your country? Give us your thoughts. We want to hear from you. Remember, you can even tweet us at African Dialogue or join that African Dialogue family on Twitter at African Dialogue. Give us your thoughts there. Or you can SMS your thoughts on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero or you email us at info at channelafrica.org. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll we come back we'll get our economics update this is channel africa south africa's official international public radio station on shortwave internet and satellite my name is sipa hot sticks mabuse a south african musician and an african artist for that matter you are listening to channel africa the voice of the african renaissance pambi
My name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, now let's move on and get our economics update. We've got Wisani Matebula standing by. Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. South African Finance Minister Pravin Gadan has uh, challenged both business and labor to continue working together along with government to help the country to avert a credit downgrade. Gadan has attributed the decision by ratings agency Standard & Poor's to keep South Africa's credit rating to unify shown by all stakeholders. Tepo Mungwai reports. South Africa has made noticeable progress in the past few months. Plans to bring expenditure under control are now in place. In the past few months, government has stabilized energy and has identified new areas of growth. However, these plans have not translated into real action. Members of South Africa's rival Mine Workers Union, the National Union of Mine Workers and Association of Mine Workers Construction Union are clashing near Northern and Limpopo province following the murder of a 45-year-old NUM member. Police say Tetelele Zefunele was shot in the head yesterday afternoon as he stopped at a four-way stop in the small platinum mining town. Police spokesperson Ronel Otto is advising motorists to avoid the area. Nobody has been arrested for the murder yet. Um, and since early this morning, the two opposing groups have been protesting on the northern Tabazimbi Road. They are uh, reportedly throwing stones and assaulting each other. So members of the community traveling in that specific area are advised to avoid the area if at all possible. Zimbabwe Central Bank will start circulating local bank notes in October, but the country will continue to use the U.S. dollar and other foreign currencies. Zimbabweans are worried that introducing bond notes to ease dollar shortages could open up the door to rampant printing of cash. Reserve Bank Governor of Zimbabwe, John Mangunja, described the local notes as vouchers meant to boost exports. And Mozambique and VTB bank uh, PJSC of Russia close to agreeing on a restructuring of a loan to a state-owned company in the Southeast African nation. Finance Ministry spokesperson Rogerio Ngomo says uh, they are working very diligently with uh, VTB to pay their outstanding interest. The cash-strapped nation is uh, finding uh, demands uh, from donors to disclose the state of finances, including listing all existing and planned debt. North Africa now in uh, Egypt, the business activity has shrunk for the eighth straight month in May, but at a lesser extent than the previous three months. The Emirates NBD, Egypt's purchaser managers index for the non-oil private sector, recorded 47.6 points in May after 46.9 points in April. Egypt has been struggling to revive its economy since a popular uprising in 2011. Let's look now at your financial indicators. Uh, we start with the dollar trading at 15.07 South African rents, 11.04 Botswana Pula, 
10.48 Zambian kwacha. Also trading at 0.68 to the British pound and 0.87 against the euro. The commodities market platinum at $981 and gold $1,241 per fine ounce. Brent crude oil $49.97 per barrel. And that's how it's looking. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, now it's time for us to get our sports. Thank you, Benjamin. Good day, sports fans. And starting off with football news, former Morocco Swallows coach Ian, Ian, um, Ian Goroa has been handed a 10-year ban from football-related activities in Zimbabwe, according to reports in the country. Goroa was found guilty of his alleged role in a match-fixing syndicate that is reported to have targeted matches in the South African Premier Soccer League, while the, or rather, while the PSL has dragged its feet over the claims Zimbabwean authorities have acted decisively. Agent Edzai Kashinoa, who also played for Swallows as well as Ajax Cape Town, received a 10-year ban for his alleged role in the plot, while there were live bans for Zimbabwe Football Association employees Henrietta Rashwaya as well as Jonathan Masavangana. Rashawa as well as Masa Vangana, were both banned for life for their alleged roles in the Assegate scandal in 2009, but had those sanctions later lifted along with those involved. Former Zimbabwe's national team coach Nation Dube was given a five-year ban for his latest scandal. It is alleged some or all of the group tried to influence the results of Zimbabwe's African Nations Cup qualifiers against Swaziland in March, but failed after authorities were alerted. The bans at this stage only extend to football Zimbabwe, but authorities there can ask FIFA to extend it worldwide. Meanwhile, the body known as ZIFA, which is essentially bankrupt, has been dissolved and replaced by the National Football Association of Zimbabwe. Authorities in that country made the decision on Saturday and are seeking confirmation from FIFA for the change. Preparations for the 2022 Commonwealth Games are back on track after the Treasury finally signed the crucial financial guarantees to host the competition. Etequini Metropolitan Municipality spokesperson Logi Naidu on Sunday said the development was a welcome relief. The guarantees were finalized last week Friday, paving the way for preparations to resume. Sports Minister Figilam Balula confirmed the development, adding government would now convene the inter-ministerial committee on the games. Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa will chair that committee. On to rugby news, SA Rugby on Monday announced it was 
partnering with Blue Label Telecoms for the incoming series against Ireland. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange listed telecommunications and technology company will partner the box for the three test series of matches in Cape Town, Johannesburg as well as Port Elizabeth. Blue Label Telecoms name and branding will appear on the Springboks jersey for the series as well as a number of on and off field areas. Well, South Africa's javelin champion Sunit Phil Yoon had a crushing defeat in Sunday's Birmingham Diamond League meet, only three after winning the fifth edition of the league series in Rome last week Thursday. Our UK-based correspondent Geshem Nyati reports. Seventh position for Africa in South Africa's javelin record holder was an unfamiliar position for Sunet Villion. The 32-year-old twice World Championship bronze medalist and twice Commonwealth Games champion threw a disappointing 58.54 meters, a result attributed to traveling fatigue. South Africa's Karina Horn ran in the first heat of the women's 100 meters, finishing fourth in 11.57 seconds, but not enough to qualify for the final. And similarly with Marie Jose Talu of the Ivory Coast in sixth position. In the men's 400 meters, Botswana's national record holder and former Africa record holder Isaac Makwala was beaten into second place by Olympic and world champion Kirani James of Grenada. Makwala recorded 44.97 seconds. In the same race, Botswana's new kid on the block, Babaloki Tebe, held on within striking distance but fizzled out 30 meters to the end, finishing sixth. And finally, Yvette Fancel continues to dominate this year's Spa Women's 10km series after winning the Durban race in a time of 33 minutes and 26 seconds on Sunday. This is her third consecutive victory on the series this year. She retains her position atop the Spa Grand Prix rankings and is on track for a clean sweep of all five races on circuit. Fancel had this to say after a victory. I'm very happy about today's win. I didn't expect, like, every time I run a spot, ladies, I don't expect to win. I go into and wishing I could win, but every time I win, it's like I have to remind myself that I won. So winning today is really special. Um, I didn't expect this one, really. Training wasn't according to what I wished I could do, because I was hoping to run a fast time today, but a win is a win, so I'm very happy. The Zoya Sports News at the Sour Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, that's how we wrap up our program today. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Remember, join the African Dialogue family on Twitter. That's at African Dialogue. We want to interact with you there. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're welcome to interact with us. We're also on uh, Facebook on Channel Africa. So go to Channel Africa. It's simply titled that. Or you can SMS your thoughts. Remember, today we're asking the question really, uh, hey, what are the challenges for young people on the African continent? So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, do interact with us. And uh, you can also email us at info at channelafrica.org. Well, that's it from me, Benjamin Mushatama. Until tomorrow, God bless.